Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Podcast. This podcast is a recording of our weekly Sunday School class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. But before you listen further, you may want to go to teachings.jim314.com and download the student and or teacher handouts so you can follow along visually and take some notes. Thanks for listening. Come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app or to iTunes. Now let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody. You've got your uh, handout there on the middle of the table, and I will give you a disclaimer before we begin today. Your first blank is going to come with maybe 10, 15 minutes left in class. So there's a space between the what do the words mean and are there any repeated words that in my teacher notes is about six pages long. So we're going to, we're going to, yeah, some of you are like, look at the door, right? Um, we're going to hustle through some of that pretty quick uh, to make sure we get to where we need to be. Uh, but I am uh, I'm excited about where we are today. It's always lovely when you look down from the, from the podium and you see, from the lectern actually, it's not a podium, uh, and see a typo on the student handout. So uh, a nickel for the first person that finds it. But we're going to start in Romans chapter 1. Uh, verse 1, and we'll read through verse 32, all of chapter 1. Uh, and our approach this week will be the same as in prior weeks. We're going to read the text, explain the text, apply the text, and personalize the text. So if you've got your Bibles, let's start with Romans 1, 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. Oops, sorry, i got to stop. Um, today's text, in case you see anybody come in while we're in the middle of the class, is... Uh, TV 14. Uh, This program contains materials that may not be suitable for younger viewers. So uh, if you see a little kid come in, I need you all to help me because we're going to talk about things at the end of chapter one and we're going to be very plain and clear about them. So just help me with that. So Romans 1.1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented in order that I might reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to to nature, and the men likewise gave up the natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So as we have done each week, uh, we ask a series of questions. A Bible study is about asking questions and answering questions. So let's, let's ask some questions. So the first one there on your handout is, are there any literary or structural observations? Now, I guess and I think that if I asked and we took a poll today what your exposure in a church to Romans 1 traditionally has been, most of you would say verses 16 and 17, right? I mean, that is the, the, the text that you go to. It's, you know, many would say the central argument of Romans teeing up what is going to be talked about for the remainder of the text. If I said you take 16 and 17 and you set it aside, what is the second most taught about concept in Romans chapter 1. Today, in today's American Christianity. Homosexuality, absolutely. You say, Romans 1 is about homosexuality. And I will tell you, Romans 1 is not about homosexuality. So if you look at the text and look at the structure of the text, the point of today's text is not Romans 1, 21 through 32. Um, so let me ask a question this way. What causes Romans 1, 21 through 32? Look at your text. So what is, what is, what is that a result of? Denying the creation, okay. What does the text say? I want to, let's point to a specific piece of text. Okay, what caused that? Okay, what caused that? And what caused that? There we go. So now we're getting back. What specific sin listed here? Why did they, un- why did they not believe? Verse 18. 
They suppress the truth. Absolutely. When you suppress the truth, when you keep truth from being proclaimed, all manner of evil that is listed there. I mean, you get, you get people don't know God. You get claiming to be wise. You get exchanging glory for uh, the glory and immortality of God for things that are just uh, images. You get lusts and impurity. You get dishonorable passions. You get all of these things are dominoes that fall over as a result of suppression of the truth. So I want to make sure whenever I teach a text of scripture, I want to make sure that we talk about the actual main point. Because I hear a lot, a lot, a lot of people talk about the point of this is sexual immorality. Now, I want to be very clear. Sexual immorality is sin, right? Homosexuality is sin. The Bible is, I struggle reading Romans 1 and coming to a conclusion that is not that. I mean, we are, we are candidly clear. And we will talk about how incredibly clear the Greek actually is here because it is... Um, shockingly more clear than the English is. Let's just put it that way. You, you can't buy an English translation that's as clear as the Greek is because they wouldn't sell it. We'll just, we'll, we'll look at that here. This is why 14, right? All right, so, um, so let's look at the words. What do the words mean? So again, I told you I've got pages and pages and pages of this. So just be on the lookout for those next, the answers to those next questions on your handout. So the answers to the next questions on your handout, are there repeated words or repeated topics. So think about listening for those as we read through the text today. So verse 18 starts with four. So we're connecting. So again, we're connecting. Um, One of the things that I have found in my own teaching over the past 18 months or so, (laughs) I did it there, uh, is that I tend to use the word so a lot in Sunday school. Because in my mind, a Sunday school lesson is one coherent thought. When I am jumping from one point to the next point to the next point, they are logical dependencies on each other. So in my mind, they're connected by so's, which results in a very awkward speaking style at times because I don't ever use a period. So I just continue. And so this is true. And so Paul uses it with four and because and therefore and those types of things. So I think I've just, I did it there. Read a lot of Paul. Four, a word that explains what came before the wrath or desire or violent passion of God. And we're going to talk about that wrath and what, what it is and what it isn't. Uh, is revealed. So this is a, a present tense middle uh, indicative. So right now continuous. It is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness or wickedness and unrighteousness. And this is, this is legal injustice. So the, the ungodliness is the actions. The unrighteousness is something that is morally wrong in someone's character. Ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress. So this is the, this is the holding down. Um, and this is a, a present participle. So they are suppressing. You can actually change the word suppress to suppressings who are right now suppressing the truth. And this idea is, I'm going to push and hold and prevent something from being made known. So, does anybody have a jacket that I could borrow that you're not wearing right now? That you maybe stumped on the back of your chair? Nobody brought a jacket because it's too warm today, right? So, Ron, can I borrow your jacket? Awesome. So, I'm going to show you what this word means. So, I have a copy of the Bible. Thank you, sir. Do you need this back for the rest of the class? No. Okay, Awesome. I'm not going to destroy it or anything. I just just need to use it for a minute. So, so I have a copy of the scripture right here. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna now, Katie. You're an in, intelligent young lady. 
read to me the text that's in this book. Why not? Can't see it, right? Because I'm suppressing it. I'm holding it down. I've covered it up. Right? And we've talked about covered so far. We talked about covered quite a bit last week. Right? So keep this in your mind. I want this to be your mental picture. Something's under there that's going to fall off. There we go. All right. You have a good jacket there, Ron. I appreciate that. So they suppress the truth. So, so what truth? Well, he's about to answer that question. Verse 19. So for what can be made known, for what can be known or be knowable about God is plain. That's another present tense word. So it's being made plain to them. This word plain means shining or apparent or public or external, uh, manifested, open or outward. This is very obvious. It's very plain to them because God has shown. This is the verb version of the word that we just looked at. He has shown. He has made it plain. He has declared it to them. Verse 24, so we're connecting what came before. His invisible attributes, his invisible things, namely his eternal or everlasting power, his mighty work and divine nature, his Godhead, have been clearly perceived. Let's talk about these two words for a second. So clearly. Clearly means uh, beheld fully, distinctly apprehended, clearly seen. So has anybody had your eyes checked recently? Did your eyes checked recently? Excellent. All right, so Ron, I'm going to pick on you again. This will be like the Ron show. Um, and how did they check your eyes? They just walked in, You walked in, and the doctor said, can you see things clearly? And you said yes, and you said great, and they checked the box, and you're good to go, right? Yes. All kinds of stuff, right? And at some point, they had you look at letters on a wall, and they went one or two, two or three, three or two. Three. And I just, it, it just makes me go nuts when they it's just like put the numbers in order every time. They're going back and forth. My brain just it doesn't handle it well. <clears throat> but what they're trying to get you to do is to see very clearly, distinctly around the edges of things, right? That's what this word is. This is, I can make things out clearly. This is 2020 vision, okay? So that is clearly perceived. Now, perceived is the word for you absolutely understand, fully comprehended. This is when you have a conversation with somebody and their actions go and demonstrate that you know for sure they completely understood what you just told them to do. Right? So, Lynn, I would like for you to walk up to the front of the room and take Ron's jacket and take it back to, put it on the back of Ron's chair, and then go sit down. So we'll see if, if Lynn understands. <clears throat> Success rate is low here, right? Probability? All right, good. Hey, you didn't even knock anything off. That's awesome. Cool. So he's going well so far, right? We're doing well so far. Okay. He's almost there. He's in the home stretch. See, VPs are good for something. That's awesome. All right, good. So how do we know that Lynn understood? He, he just fully demonstrated every, every component, right? Stand up, walk up to the front of the room, get the jacket, take it, put it on the back of Ron's chair, and then go sit down. Got it. So clearly perceived. I fully understood with 20-20 vision exactly what's going on, and I completely comprehended. This is where we are. Now, what have we talked about Paul's occupation being? He was a tent maker, but what, what was his formal training and what was his education in? He was a lawyer, right? So what's he doing? He's building an airtight case. He's saying, Your Honor, the accused fully saw and fully understood. There is no defense for this. So let's keep going. 
because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power. This is what they saw. And his divine nature, this is what they saw and understood, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation, the original formation, the building of the world, in the things that have been made. The word here is a word for product or fabric or workmanship. And we're going to come back to that concept later on in the, in the passage. So they are right now, present tense, without excuse. The word is indefensible. The word is inexcusable. This is open and shut case in a courtroom. Okay? Verse 21, for, so we're connecting again, although they knew, and this is the participle, so they are knowing God, they fully understood, they perceived, they resolved God, they did not honor or glorify or magnify Him as God or give thanks. Now, how many of you have taught or seen children giving thanks at a table for their food, right? Some of you are like... Teach them to fold their hands and they bow their heads and they say something to the equivalent of, thank you, God. Oh, yeah. Okay. What's the, the poem that we could teach them? God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Oh, there's more. Okay. We'll keep going. I didn't know there was more. Oh, that's really good. I've never heard the second part. I guess my mom did the abbreviated version. <laughs> That was awesome, yeah. She wasn't dealing with a lot, right? Let's not tax the boy's intellect. Uh, okay. All right. So you were true fundamental independent bad. All right, good, good. Um, <laughs> sorry. That was, now I've got something to edit out of the podcast. I was trying to get all the way through today without having one, but that's okay. This word is literally the word for giving thanks for food. It is, that is, like, that is the word that we're describing here. So, although they knew God, they did not honor. So, they did not give Him glory or give Him thanks. But they became futile. And this is foolish or wicked or idolatrous or vain. And vain, vanity in the, in the Bible talks about emptiness. There's no weight. There's no substance. They became vain in their thinking or in their minds, in their reasoning and their thought processes. And they're foolish... They're wicked. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Now, this is in the middle. This is aorist middle indicative. And the middle means the subject acts in its own interest. Their foolish hearts were darkened. The subject is acting in its own interest. They are darkened by themselves. There's an isolation that's going on here. They're intentionally isolating themselves from God. Verse 22, claiming... This is a participle, so it's translated well, claiming, present tense, to be wise. So they're actually foolish, but they're claiming to be wise. They became fools. They became fools. The, the word here for fools is a different word than the foolish before. This is the word for insipid. Um, I don't know if you've ever had a meal and you took a bite and you went, so close, like so close. It needs some kind of seasoning or spice or something else, right? I went to Maple Street Biscuits once with George Jackson, and he got the, there's a, there's a dish you guys serve, and there's like pepper jelly, right? And it's the squawking goat, yes. Yeah. So George likes the squawking goat. Um, I couldn't imagine eating the squawking goat. I'd be in the ER for three days. Um, I, there's nothing wrong with the squawking goat. It's, it's completely me, right? Um, I ate the biscuit with the gravy on it, and that's all I, like, that's as hot as I'm, mm, we're pushing up against the edge of reasonable here, right? 
George gets the squawking goat, and he goes, oh, it's, it's nothing. Like, I need, I need some hot sauce on this. So he, he asks Zeke for some hot sauce, and Zeke brings him some hot sauce. And George goes, no, 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 this is like weak stuff. And give me like real stuff. He's like, oh, okay. So he comes back, and he brings like two more things. George is just like, he unscrewed the top. Like, I'm, 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 I'm just close, and I'm thinking about going to the ER at this point, right? <laughs> this, is not, this is not good for me. I don't think we're going to survive. Um, so George's idea of what insipid is is different than my idea of what insipid is. But this word is the idea of there's some seasoning that's missing here. So let's read this text again. So claiming to be wise, they became seasonless. There's something missing. There's something wrong. There's something deficient the idea. So what they do with that season list, they exchanged, which is really sad. Really, really sad. They exchanged the glory of the immortal or the incorruptible or the undecaying in essence of God for images. Literally, the word means profiles. And it makes me think of Facebook, right? Because you go to Facebook and you see somebody's profile. Is that that person? No, absolutely not. This is a highly, highly curated uh, for many of us, thinner version of where we are now because you, the picture is from a couple years ago and that's just okay because, hey, who wants to round up? You know, we don't need to round up. Um, so, so we have exchanged this undecaying glory of God for something that is an image. And it's not just an image of anything. It's a resembling an image of mortal man and bird. And Amy, you pointed this out. It was brilliant. The birds are in the air, and the animals, this is the word for quadrupeds, four-footed beasts, and then creeping things. This is the reptiles and the snakes. So we go from flying to walking to slithering, which is the reality of what happens when you reject God. It's a devolution, not an evolution. Verse 24, therefore, so a sequencing word connecting something before, God gave them up. So they darkened, and then God gives them up. This word means to be yielded up, to committed, to be given over. He gave them up in the lusts or the longing for what they desire, the, the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to uncleanness, to the dishonoring. This is the rendering infamous, and not in a good way infamous. The despising, the shamefully treatment of their own bodies among themselves because they exchanged, again, this repeated word exchanged, the truth about God for a lie, for a falsehood. So, have we had debates in our country lately about truth and not truth? I think we have. Okay. So, 2,000 years ago, still relevant. Imagine that. Uh, truth about God for a lie and worshiped. They venerated, they adored, and served. They paid homage. They did the service. They worshiped the creature. It's the same word back in Romans 1.20, rather than the creating, the creator. It's actually a participle, so it should be I-N-G, but rather than the creating makes it sound like there's an invisible force as opposed to there's a creating one. That would be the God behind the force. The word for creating is fabricator or founder or maker. So when we talked before about the thing made was fabric, well, fabric has a fabricator, right? You don't look at a piece of fabric and go, oh, that's incredible. That grew out of the ground. Brilliant. No, that's not how fabric works. Fabric has to be put together. And the earth is viewed by Paul here as fabric. 
So you have to have a fabricator. Who is, and it, it almost, the, the who is blessed forever, amen, to me almost feels like, okay, I have gone so far down this path, I have to come back up and give God glory and just, it's like, it's like this theological pause almost of positivity. So who is right now, present tense, statement of fact, blessed or adorable forever, for the duration of the world, for the duration of the age. Then he says, amen, which is good. This is firm. This is trustworthy. Verse 26, 4, a word that explains what came before. I told you we weren't going to get to blanks until just a few minutes left in the lesson. So don't panic. I, I, I taught this lesson at my kitchen table this morning. We've got time, okay? For this word that comes before this reason. So for what reason? Uh, suppressing the truth. So for, for suppressing the truth, God gave them up. So again, this idea of giving up, the same word uh, used before in Romans 1, 24, to dishonorable. Again, same word used, passions, this inordinate affections for their women changed or exchanged. So we're, we're making, God has given us a natural desire and you say, I don't want that. I want to take it to the store and exchange it for something else. That's the idea here. I want to, I want to exchange it for something else. So for their women exchanged relations, this is sexual intercourse, for those that are contrary. Now this is a neat word because it kind of can go two different ways. It, it, has a, it has a tendency to mean it's near, it's close, it resembles, and it also can mean it's against and it's opposite. Right? So which one do you think we're talking about here as far as the application? Near and close or opposite? We're in opposite land, right? Absolutely. We're completely in opposite land. So for those that are contrary or against or opposed to nature, this is natural production. This is growth. This is the natural use of a thing. Um, so let's talk about contracts for just a second. So some of you are familiar with uh, full requirements and partial requirements contracts. Do those phrases mean anything to anybody in the room? A full requirements contract and a partial requirements contract? David, means something to you? Cool. So you, you all understand partial requirements because this is how you go shopping. Uh, you say, I want the cheapest price for this thing, and I will go basically wherever I need to go to get it, and that's good, right? So you're saying, I will have my needs met partially by whatever vendor can supply that thing, right? And typically, if you switch to a full requirements contract where you say, this is my only supplier of this service or this good, you get a discount because you are locking in, you are committing, um, I had hoped Justin Harness would be in Sunday school today, but alas, he is not here. So I will talk about him like the egg-sucking dog that he is. Um, <clears throat> that will not get edited out of the podcast. Um, but uh, he is the uh, chief operating officer, I think, of uh, U.S. Express and uh, is responsible for overseeing a lot of different contracts. And they have contracts that are partial requirements that basically say, I have, a, I have a customer that needs a truck. They don't care who they get the truck from. It could be U.S. Express, could be other companies. We just want the cheapest rate, right? And they set it, write up a contract and do the deal. They have other contracts, so they say, I'm going to supply all of, and we'll say Lowe's, I don't know. We'll say all of Lowe's shipping for them. And that's a full requirements contract. All right, so let's look at the text. So these women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. So they took the full requirements contract that God set aside for marriage, which is this. One man and one woman get all of their sexual needs and desires met by each other. Full requirements contract both ways. There's only two types of... Uh, Con there's only two scenarios for sexual relationships in the kingdom of God. 
One is full requirements between one man and one woman for life. The other is no. So you're either married or you're not. Does this make sense? Anything outside of that could be what we're talking about here. So, these women exchanged natural relations for the contrary to nature, and the men likewise. So the guys did the exact same thing. Interesting, the order there um, harkens back to Genesis, right? And the men likewise gave up. So the men are giving up. They're laying aside. They're yielding up. They're natural. Uh, they're instinctive. The same word in Romans one twenty six relations. Same word in one, Romans one twenty six with women. And were consumed or inflamed or deeply burned with passion. This is uh, in the mi- excitement in the mind. For one another, men committing. So this is right now continuous present tense. Uh, this is working out, accomplishing, performing shameless acts. This is the Greek word. Um, you'll go to my notes. Um, uh, there's mixed company, so I can't say these words. Uh, indecencies, unseemly, lots of other uh, adjectives here. Uh, with men and receiving in themselves the due or the necessary penalty, the recompense for their error. Now, this word for error is the word that means straying from orthodoxy. So you have taken a theological perspective and you have said, nope, I want to go this way. I am consciously, intentionally going away from theological orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is what we believe, what is right, what is true. So when you do that, this is what happens. This is why we make a big deal about things. Because God has a design, and we are to stick to the design. Very straightforward. Verse 28. And since they did not see fit, since they did not examine or acknowledge or try uh, to acknowledge uh, God, God gave them up. Again, this giving up. Same word in Romans 1, 24 and 26. To a debased or reprobate or unapproved or rejected or worthless mind. This is the intellect. So he gave them up to debased minds. So their brains don't function the way they should. To do what ought not to be done, or what not, not ought to be doing. Verse 29, they were filled with, so this is leveled off with, all manner of unrighteousness. Now, so verse 29, he starts a list of items that each one of these things has four or five synonyms with. I'm not going to go into all those, I'm just going to read the text for you. Uh, you can go to page 69 in the notes of the teacher, that's where we're at already, this is a 70, 80 pages uh, notes already in week five. So they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. The same word we used in Romans 1.18. Uh, evil. This is malice. This is covetousness. This is greed. Uh, malice. This is just naughtiness. They are full of envy or jealousy and murder and strife. These are people that love to contend and debate for no other reason than contend and debate. Deceit. Maliciousness. They're gossips. They're slanderers. These are backbiters. They're haters of God. They're insolent. So you, you want to injure people. They're haughty. So they, they feel and look very prideful. And they're boastful. So the words come out of their mouth pridefully as well. They're inventors or, dece- or discoverers, inventors of evil. They're disobedient. This is my new favorite word. Contumate, contumacious. Had to Google that one. Contumacious. Stubbornly or willfully disobedient to authority. Disobedient to parents. They're foolish. They're faithless. They're heartless. You guys know the, the Greek words for love, right? So there's agape, there's phileo, there's eros, and there's storge. This is a storge. This is the opposite of storge. So this is like I am intentionally hard-hearted towards my family. 
ruthless. This is just no mercy whatsoever. And then verse 32, though they know, this is second eritus tense, so this this is uh, simple completed actions, for they know God's righteous decree that those who practice, this is present tense, they're practicing such things, deserve to die. But give approval. So we know that there's deserving of death, but we give approval to those who practice them. So, quick questions. Are there any repeated words in this text? What's the repeated words? Plain. Say again? Plain. Plain, yes. Plain's one. What else? Clearly, yeah. What else? There's a lot of right answers here, guys. <laughs> Gave them up. So I heard it. Exchange. exchange, yes. Lots of exchanging going on here. Yeah. I don't like what you gave me. Say again. New, New yes. Yeah. Yep. A lot of concepts around knowledge. What else? Natural. Yeah. There, there's a, there's an, a design that's intended to be held to, and what do we do? We exchange. We knew the design. There's righteousness. There's unrighteousness that shows up here. Related topics. I think there's a lot of covering and uncovering in Romans chapter 1. Perceiving and revealing and making plain and making shown. Uh, So let's look at some observations of the text. All right, here's your blanks. You ready? So you can do a Sunday school class with almost no blanks. I promise you it can be done. So for the wrath of God. So God's wrath is real and it is justified. Uh, Jessica Norris had a great observation. God's attitude toward the sin of humankind is not one of tolerance. It is not where we are. But this, this word for wrath is not just this uncontrollable anger, thumos, which is, shows up in the New Testament. This is uh, orge wrath, which is settled, determined indignation. This is not momentary. This is something that is, this is simmering. This is, I have decided to be angry here. So where did this wrath go? It's still there. For who? The unrighteous, yes. Where did it go for the believer? On Jesus, on the cross. That's absolutely right. You say, well, why, was, why did the cross have to be so bad? It is the pouring out of God's wrath. The wrath has to be dealt with. That's the reason for the cross. If you don't have the cross, you still have the wrath. That is a bad, bad, that is bad news. This is why there can be victory and good news from the cross. Because God pours out all of his wrath on Jesus Christ and Jesus takes it and it kills him for us. So that we don't have God's wrath poured out on us. Which is amazingly wonderful news, right? How can we not worship... I'm getting chill bumps here. How can we not worship a Savior who will do this for us? This is beautiful. All right, so for the wrath of... Sorry, I'm getting excited here. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So this suppression is the point. They're suppressing the truth. Now, the problem here, uh, and we recently went to New York City, and uh, a friend of mine uh, purchased a newspaper while we were there, and this is the New York Times, uh, off of a street vendor on the side of New York, which is kind of cool. 
And um, we have something in our country called the freedom of the press, yes. We also have something called freedom of speech, yes, very good. The people on the podcast are going to go, how do they know what to say right there? That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, freedom of the press says that we can basically print things that disagree with what the government says. Hold people accountable in lots of different scenarios. Freedom of speech says that we have freedom to speak things as long as they don't, uh, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater and those types of things. You gotta make, uh, threaten to kill the president. You, you know, there's, like, there's boundaries on this that are stupid that you have to put in place in free societies, but you can, you can speak. And this this suppression of truth makes me think of suppressing freedom of the press, right? So we, we try, the ungodly, the unrighteous, try to suppress God's word. And what happens in cultures where God's word is suppressed? It grows. It's beautiful. But the problem is that this is not the source of the revelation. God is the source of the revelation. And the text says that God reveals it to each person. God has freedom of speech to the heart of all men. And he will go around any attempt to suppress because this is what he does. So here's your next blank. God himself communicates to all men his existence. There is no entitlement for man in salvation. Man is not entitled to a not guilty verdict. God is entitled to his wrath, though. Verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived. So Paul's a lawyer. He's made an airtight case against mankind. Clearly means sees with 20-20 vision. Perceived means fully understood. The conclusion is clear. Man is guilty. Man is guilty. Skip down to verse 28 there. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind. Wearsby has a great quote here. He says, God revealed his wrath not by sending fire from heaven, but by abandoning sinful men to their lustful ways, which is terrifyingly scary. I do not want to be left alone. Whenever you have a thought cross your mind, you say, I just want God to leave me alone. No, you don't. No, 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 no. That is literally hell. That is the definition of hell, the absence of God. You, you do not want God to leave you alone. We want and we desire and we crave God's comfort and presence. And what does he do? He puts the spirit inside of us. Winning. <laughs> this is awesome, right? This is amazingly awesome. So let's come, to, come down to the application part here. We're going to finish up real quick. So what's the point? Number one, God's wrath is real. So what do we do with that? Well, don't rush past God's wrath. We, we have a tendency to skip past the latter part of Romans 1 and like all of Romans 2 and most of Romans 3 until we get to some good news in Romans 3. No, we're going we're gonna to go slow through the wrath because if you do not understand the wrath, the cross makes no sense, salvation makes no sense, it has no perspective. Uh, number two, God's communication is thorough. You suppress all you want, but he's going to get through. So number two on the personalized, what do we do with that? Stop trying to do God's job. Uh, arguing that God exists. We don't have to argue that God exists. Everybody knows this. You can deny it. You can deny it for a long, long time. Don't argue that. Point people to Christ. Whole different. Whole different argument. Uh, and then number three, there are consequences for suppressing truth. So what do you think we ought to do? I think I want to do what Lynn did. I think I want to uncover truth. I think I want to proclaim truth. I think I want to share truth. I think I want to communicate truth. I think I want to live truth. Herald truth. 
This is good for us. All right, so next week's lesson is God's righteous judgment. So we transition a little bit from anybody and everybody the end of Romans 1 talks about. Romans 2, we transition into... You know, Paul's writing to Jews and Gentiles, and the Jews at this point are going, yeah, 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 but we know God. We know God. God's for us. And, and Paul just takes like a whole chapter and just smacks them around. So it's, it's pretty, you know, if you didn't think chapter one was br- abrupt, chapter two is pretty abrupt. So uh, there's more of that next week. Uh, don't forget your homework at the bottom. Don't forget your resources, our process. Uh, and then one quick uh, advertisement. George Jackson is speaking here tonight at five o'clock. Uh, he did a really, really good job last week. I would encourage you to come and hear him tonight at 5. Or you can go to Saudi Daisy tonight at 5 o'clock. Gary, Jared, Brian Smith, Terry Brown, and me, uh, <laughs> odd men out, uh, are uh, having a, uh, a panel discussion on election. I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> Get to demonstrate my ignorance over and over again. So, so what I did this morning is I printed off all of Grudem's Application of Redemption. I printed off all of my Ordo Salutis. I'll bring three different copies of the Bible, my computer, and a whole lot of prayer. And we'll see where we get. So there's that. Uh, but that's tonight at 5 at Hickson is George at Saudi Daisy is uh, the panel. Uh, you're at your table, in the middle of that table, is a piece of paper that says weekly update. So if you will share your prayer requests, make sure your name's at the bottom of the page so you get credit. Because credit is important because we're keeping a list and Julie is checking it twice. So that's how that works. And uh, thank you for coming to Sunday school today, guys. I appreciate you.